So I wanted to start off this episode by talking about the two different types of investing, one being a top-down style and one being a bottom-up style. And personally, I like to incorporate both of them into my investing. Um, I'll usually like to hold some good companies, uh, which is bottom-up, for uh, a long time. Uh, Most of them are probably dividend-paying ones, or they have good potential for growth. And I'll also, with uh, another portion of my assets, I guess, uh, of my investments, I'll put them into cyclical, uh, top-down companies. So companies that are influenced by macroeconomic events. And I kind of wanted to go over the difference of the two in this episode. So the first type is the bottom-up investment style, which is kind of the approach that uh, Warren Buffett uses. And so uh, in this style, you'll basically go around searching for good companies that are selling at uh, a reasonable price or even better at a cheap price. And you expect these companies to have uh, improved future earnings. You think that their balance sheets are strong. And so you'll pour money into these companies, probably hold them for a long time, and then you won't uh, really care what happens to the markets. You don't really care that much, at least, what happens to the macroeconomic conditions. You know, things like interest rates, uh, things like currencies, things like debt cycles. Um, You won't care as much about them. And you'll just hold on to good companies for a very long time. And then you have the other side, which is, you know, the cyclical, the top uh, down investor, the uh, person who invests based on the global, you know, the global macroeconomic outlook. Uh, And so these guys are usually investing into sectors instead of individual companies. You know, however big companies they usually have the ability for, you know, maybe some employees to pick out good companies in a particular sector. Or they'll work with a company that's um, more, I guess you could say, uh, more experienced in the sector. uh, And that can make better investment decisions in the sector. And... Uh, So basically what you'll uh, have to take a look at is something like, uh, first of all, you have to take a look at cycles. And uh, most sectors are cyclical, uh, meaning they go up for a period of time and then they come down for a period of time. And the reason for it is usually because you have, and, and there's, way more than one reason. There's many, many, many reasons. 
But one reason is, you know, what they call the boom-bust cycle, uh, what they call the debt cycle, because uh, you have optimism and then you have followed pessimism. And so when a sector is heavily undervalued, uh, what happens is, you know, over a period of time, people go into the company because they, you know, they see it's undervalued. And then it becomes less and less undervalued. Eventually, it becomes a bubble. And when that bubble pops, you have now everybody rushing out of the company, whereas they were all rushing into the company before. And so now you have a bottom again. And so the cycle just repeats itself uh, where you have ups and downs over and over again. And so that is one of the most important things when you're looking at the macroeconomic outlooks of the world. And of course, uh, things like interest rates matter a lot. Things like currency, strength, currency, uh, prices. Uh, because usually when you have high interest rates, uh, the equities usually don't do as well. Uh, and when you have uh, weak currencies, usually equities perform well. Now, of course, there's exceptions. Uh, in the 1980s, interest rates were very high. You know, the, the Ronald Reagan period, interest rates were very high, but equities did very well. And you have times where, in, like in the 1970s, where you had weak currencies, you had inflation, but you also had stagnant and falling equities. And so uh, the... You know, when I say, uh, you know, when I talk about interest rates or currencies and what their effects are on the markets, it's what usually happens. However, it doesn't always happen because uh, in, in investing, nothing always happens and nothing can never happen. And so always and never are two of the most dangerous words you can use. But, uh, you know, sometimes the probabilities of things happening are so tiny that you could consider it as never will happen or always happens. Uh, but there's always a possibility. It could be very small that something happens or doesn't happen. Uh, but there's always a possibility of those happening. And, you know, some other macroeconomic factors you want to look at is politics. Uh, now, I haven't talked too much about politics on this channel. However, I think that I should. But, you know, the, the elections are over. Um, people aren't talking so much about politics anymore. There's no uh, news. I, well, there's no mainstream news, I guess you could say, um, right now regarding politics, at least not too much of it compared to last year. 
um, especially since all all the social media companies are you know just bashing on Donald Trump. Uh, and I thought that was kind of funny, but uh, now Biden is kind of silent, and the, the, you know the media isn't talking too much about Biden. Uh, n- nor is Biden spamming <laughs> things on his Twitter, and so there there isn't too much uh, to talk about in politics. But politics is very very important when you're looking at the macroeconomic mar- uh, you know aspects of the markets. And probably politics today are more important than they have ever been probably since the 1930s in America. So that's almost 100 years. And the reason is because right now the the markets, they rely on a few things. You know, the whole American economy relies on a few things. You know, number one, it relies on asset bubbles, overvalued assets. And you kind of have a a cycle of overvalued assets fueling more people to go in and buy these overvalued assets. And then you have even more overvalued assets after. And so you have this never-ending cycle, but eventually it's going to end and you know the music stops and uh you know it's a game of musical chairs but uh, the 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 american economy is also fueled by you know low interest rates and of course they're not naturally low they're artificially low uh you know artificially low uh treasury you know treasury bond rates you also have the uh, the U.S. economy fueled by fiscal policy, fiscal spending. Right now, that's probably probably the most important factor. Uh, also, debt. <laughs> debt is obviously, you know, that's that's kind of the elephant in the room there. But fiscal policy is it's a new one and. I don't know how long the U.S. equities, you know, the U.S. stocks can stay afloat without fiscal support. Because in 2020, I mean, we would normally have massive deflation. And we've seen that. Uh, we've seen a, a, a very, very fast recession a uh, very big drop in the 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 stock market in in March but of course you know the government with the monetary policy and the fiscal policy managed to to reinflate the the, the stock bubble well i guess at, during March it wasn't really a bubble but they they i guess you could say they created the bubble uh, or recreated the bubble because in 2019 that was, you know they were already uh, providing bank liquidity, I guess you could say. So starting their monetary policy uh, QE, except shorter term QE, 
And uh, so, you know, when the government's fiscal policies are are one of, if not the biggest driving factor of the of the markets. I mean, you really need to pay attention to what the government does. And I mean, you also see that with sectors like the electric vehicle sector. You know, Biden uh, wins and becomes president, and now all the EV sectors are exploding. And also, when you're looking when you're looking at interest rates, which is another part of the macro economics um, influences, I guess. Uh, you know, we're seeing rising interest rates now, and Tesla and all of the other speculative uh, companies, speculative, you know, quote unquote growth stocks are all, all are all plunging. You know, you have a maybe a one one maybe you'll have a one percent increase in uh, the yield on the ten-year treasury, and you'll get like a three percent drop in Tesla shares in Tesla's share price. <laughs> so that just tells you that you know a lot of sectors depend on uh, monetary and fiscal policy, and of course. For the macroeconomic side, you obviously have to look at, you know, what are central banks doing? You have to look at what are uh, foreign governments doing? You have to look at what politicians are doing. And you have to look at spending patterns, consumer debt. Are they going to keep on spending as much in the future? And that's part of the debt cycles. And, of course, you have government debt, which is... I don't know if it's you know if, I don't know if governments are really going to pay their back uh, their debts back at, at any point in time, or if they're just going to take the inflationary uh, train route road. And uh, you know the commonality between top down and bottom up. You see, they're very they have. A lot of commonalities between the two, because both of them you're focused on buying into undervalued sectors. Uh, you know, you you think a particular sector is going to do well because of you know some influences, and thus you believe it's undervalued because you think that it has space to grow. Um, well, usually that's the case, unless if you know, right now you're you're going into EV or something like that, then then I guess you're just not a very good. Well, I don't want to say you're not a very good investor, but I, I would say that um you're a very courageous one. I guess that is the best way to put it. But uh they have a lot of commonalities bottom up and top down because when you're buying into and especially when you're using value as as the main uh as as one of the main principles they're very common because when you buy into an in uh, a sector that you think is undervalued you could 
very well be if you're a, a bottom-up investor. You know, if you're buying into a, a particular stock that you think is undervalued, the sector the stock belongs to is probably also undervalued. And that's what the top-down person looks at. The top-down person looks at the sector first, whereas the bottom-up person looks at the individual stocks. But usually what happens is when the investor is looking through individual stocks, they'll find the most undervalued ones to be in the sectors that the you know the macro the macro guys are looking at so they'll be looking at stocks from the same sectors uh the only difference is you know usually the bottom up person will be able to find better individual stocks uh whereas the top down person will be able to find better sectors and of course when you're dealing with sectors you could take advantage of the you know going the way up and possibly shorting the the downfall of the sector uh but if you're you know focusing on buying undervalued companies you have a much bigger safety net than you would if you're just jumping from sector to sector because you don't know when a sector is going up and you don't know when a sector is going down and you know you don't really know when a stock's going up or when a stock's going down but when you're doing sector you know when you're jumping from sector to sector your timing matters more than when you're buying and holding a stock and the reason is because you're essentially going to miss out on returns uh that you would earn if you jumped from sector to sector correctly whereas you're probably going to lose money for, for for the first few years and then you are you know you're probably going to make your money back uh usually more money but it's a very it's a very difficult uh it's very difficult to jump from sector to sector correctly and and to predict what types of uh i guess you could say policies that the governments will make that central banks would make um you know it's very very difficult to predict where interest rates will go and it's more difficult to do it consistently and to do it correctly and to sum it up i want to say that usually the best investors use a mixture of the two so they'll look at both the macroeconomic outlook so you know they'll see when do i think the next recession is going to come uh when do i think the next uh bull market is going to come and you know they'll try to go from sector to sector but also try to pick the best companies the best individual companies from each sector and so you're kind of employing but you'll also hold on to some uh stocks that you believe are good that are genuinely good that you would hold on for a very long time uh and so you're kind of incorporating both 
the top down, which is the macroeconomic, and the bottom up, which is the individual stocks, into your investment portfolio or into your strategy. And so you kind of get the best of both worlds. Um, and at the same time, you're able to maximize your returns without, you know, de without increasing your risk.